The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. I love when families come and visit for baptisms because then they have to stay for the sermon and I get a little... <laughs> can't get out right now. So welcome, welcome everyone. And uh, we have been inviting you all into an important conversation that our church has been having. That's been the conversation about the multiplication of our one service on Sunday to two Sunday services starting September 9th. And there's also a little booklet there on the welcome table. If you didn't get a chance to get one of these, maybe you're new with us, just coming into this conversation, I want to bring your attention to that booklet that you can find, take it home, read it, um, see what we're doing, see what God is doing and his movement at our church. We're really excited about. So two weeks away, uh, we have just this Sunday and next Sunday uh, with just one service. That means one, one, one more service or one more week with just one service, and then we go to two. And to put it just yet another way, one more Sunday where you have to endure these small chairs. And then we, we go back to our big 21-inch triple virgin foam chairs. Uh, everyone will be happy again. But as you see, like, it's been good to have these chairs, and we've needed them. And so when we go to two services, we'll put the big chairs back in. We'll have more donuts. Everyone will be happy. So uh, this important decision in our church is, is really an overflow of our desire to be a faithful church. It's been, it's been our desire to live out the calling of the church our calling to connect people to God, to connect people to one another in relationship, and connect people to their communities as a faithful witness. And so as an overflow of this, of this vision and these callings as Christians, um, we're, we're multiplying our services so that we can do that more, and so we have more opportunity uh, to be faithful. And so today's part two. Last week we talked about connecting people to God. If you're just coming into the conversation, uh, that, that uh, sermon is online. You can kind of hear about our vision for how we desire to do that as a church. Today's part two, connecting people to one another. And so let's, let's begin with this assertive claim, and that's this. The gospel creates community. You know, there are many things that we might think uh, create community and ways to create community. Uh, but here's the big claim of the day. The gospel creates the community. It is, it is through the gospel and by the gospel and actually for the gospel that community exists in the church. The gospel points us to Jesus who died for his enemies. And this creates relationships of service rather than selfishness, manipulation. And so we know that because the gospel says Jesus died for sinners, he died for his enemies, he died for people that were not like him, that allows us and it empowers us to love people who are different than us. It allows us to be in community that is, that is anchored in, in selflessness and uh, not uh, what we can get out of it primarily. The gospel removes fear and pride. It allows people within the church to get along with people they might not get along with outside of the church because we are saved by grace, that we don't have any room to, to have relationships based on pride. Well, this is what I've accomplished. This is what I have done. And so we want to hang out with people that have accomplished things up to our level or are like us. The gospel removes that motivation. And now we, 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 uh, we pursue relationships with people based on grace. The gospel calls us to holiness. The gospel calls us to holiness, and it, 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 it calls us into relationships that are accountable to one another. And because the gospel calls us to accountability and to holiness, we desire to, to share our lives with others, to, to, to confess our sins, to seek forgiveness. Uh, we, we need to learn from others as people uh, preach and teach and open up the scriptures and pray for us. And so we cannot pursue holiness alone, not in the way that God desires us to. And so the gospel creates community for every follower of Jesus. I'm going to make you even more uncomfortable, maybe even some of you more uncomfortable this morning by saying this. We truly believe that no matter 
how you are wired, introvert, extrovert, or socially awkward, you were created to experience meaningful relationship with others. You know, everyone, everyone like that is, is, is represented here. Who, who are the extroverts in the room? Yeah. Woo! Who are the socially, yeah, who are the, who are the socially awkward so we know who you are? I'm actually surprised you raise your hand. Normally you're like, get me out of here. Well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a closet introvert. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a surprise to many of you. I, I actually hate public speaking. Uh, I hate being in front of people. Don't laugh, it's true. Uh, it's awkward for me. I, I have the spiritual gift of embarrassment, both for myself and others, when you're with me. So theologically, this, this is rooted in who God is. Theologically, our desire for community and our call to community is rooted in who God is, uh, in his community that he has within the Godhead, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It existed forever. From eternity past, God existed in community. And he creates us in his image and, and according to his likeness. He calls us into community, to be transformed in community, uh, to, be, to, to uh, be transformed and restored in community and for community. And so the portrait, quality, and substance of this kind of community can only be understood as we look at the gospel and as we look at scripture and we look at who God is and what he has done for us. There are many other, you know, there are many secular uh, motivations for why we should be in community to find uh, belonging and connection and, and help and, and just for, uh, for fun to have a good time. And, and those things may happen in community, but, but our community can only be understood through the lens of the gospel explained to us in God's word. And so let's go there this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Uh, we'll read uh, uh, several verses there. You can follow along on the screen uh, or in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the, in the world, in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of this will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's good word. I'll give you a rather quick, the quick features of the, of the Christian community uh, from this passage, and we'll walk through a few of them. The first thing that this passage shows us is that community is not a category of our faith, but rather an expression of our faith. So this is the first one. Let's talk about this, that gospel community is an expression of our faith. It's so natural to think of the Christian community as a category. Let me explain. Uh, you have many categories of what it means to be a Christian. You have prayer, that's a category. Reading your Bible, going to Sunday worship, uh, giving your gifts to the church, sharing your faith, 
uh, in, as a witness to others is a category uh, or function of, of you being a Christian. Um, you go to small group as a category. Uh, there are many categories. Think of your life and the categories in your life. You have work and leisure and vacation and, and, and you have responsibilities. And everything is a ball to juggle. Everything is a category to, in which to live. And community then becomes a category. But what the Bible aims to teach us is that community is not just a ball to juggle. It is not just a, a category of our faith or a thing to do. Rather, it's an expression of who we are. It is a true expression of our identity. The Christian community is central to the Christian identity. And treating the sharing of life together with other Christians as just another ball to juggle uh, could be a symptom, of our, a symptom of, our, of our lack of understanding of what God has called us to. This passage and many others uh, that discuss community uh, do not speak of community like a category or an event or a club, but rather they talk about community as a core expression of who we are as God's brought together people. He doesn't say, I'm so thankful for you. I, I hear that you're, you're reading your Bible more. I'm so thankful for you. You guys are getting really better at prayer and saying like and um so less frequent. You're, I'm, so, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you that, you are, that, you that you're giving to the church, gathering for worship. He says, I'm so thankful because I hear of your faith. I'm so thankful that you have faith, and as an expression of this faith, you have a love for the saints. You have a love in the Spirit for one another, evident in how you live your lives together. He marvels at this. He marvels at the fact that their deep love for one another is an expression of their faith in Jesus and that they hope and the hope that they have in the gospel. I'm so glad that you're doing this. You know why I'm so glad that you're doing it? Because this is now demonstrated. It shows me that it's a symptom of your love for Jesus. So the Christian community is rather just an expression of our faith. It, it can act as, a, as an expression of our faith. He looks at the way their community is characterized by love, faithfulness, hope, fruitfulness. And he's excited about that. Not because he's excited that they're just connecting and living life together. He's excited because it means that they love Jesus. Christian community is more than a social club. It's more than a support group. It's meant to act like an alternate society. An alternate society within a society, within a culture that goes way beyond mere fellowship to embody a kind of culture that gives anyone looking into that community an opportunity to see people united by love and sacrifice and service and showing the world an entirely different way to live as it relates to money, sex, power, politics, work, recreation, whatever it is in life. It gives the world and anyone looking in an opportunity to look through a window and, and show them what it looks like to actually live your life as ones who love Jesus. And so Paul is seeing their community and he says, good job. Because this means the love of God is rich in you. It means that your faith is rich and genuine. It's true that we show our faith through our individual lives, right? We can express our faith as individual people and in our personal growth. But it's just as important through our corporate lives together. And it cannot be replaced and there is no substitute for it. And so community is not just a ball to juggle among many other balls in our life. It's an expression of who we are. It's, like it's, it's central to our identity as Christians. 
and our love for one another. It's also this. I said we move rather quick, and so let's go to the next one. It's also a way that we're shaped in our character and behavior. So community as a way of uh, shaping our character and our behavior. Verse 3 through 8 is a great rejoicing in what we have in community with one another. And verses 9 to 12 is a prayer uh, for what he hopes will be developed. And so verse 3 through 8, Paul says, I'm so excited, I'm rejoicing in what I see, and uh, now I want to pray about what, what I hope to see continued to be developed and to grow. A community has the ability to do both. Right? Community has the ability to reveal what is in us already and also to sharpen what is yet to be fully developed. Uh, think, of, think of a thermostat, okay? A thermostat. What's the function of a thermostat? You, you can participate. It's okay. Tells you the temperature. Okay, good. So you, you go to the thermostat in your house and you say, look at that, it's 98 degrees. You know, my, my AC is broken. I need to, I need to fix this. So, so it look, you look at the thermostat and by, by looking at the thermostat, you can observe the environment. It, it tells you what the environment is like. And so, so as we look at our lives, uh, it, will, it will demonstrate what we truly believe. Right? So you look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, look at how you spend your time. Uh, we will be able to see what is important to you. And that, that's, that's what community can do. Your lack of investment in community will reveal what is mostly important to you. But a thermostat does another thing. Uh, you know, you can, it, it, ex, it exposes the environment, but you also can set the environment, right? So my, my, let's, that's what my thermostat does. You know, remember the old radio one, the, the old dials? Maybe some of you still have those in your houses, right? You turn the, the dial. Some of you can adjust it on your phone. Some of you turn it with, you know, whatever, a, a button. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways. But a thermostat reveals the environment, but it also can set the environment. That's what community can do as well. Community is not just uh, showing us, uh, us, us as an expression of who we are, but it actually is a way of shaping who we become. It is, it is through community and in community where we, we set our lives to, to invest in, in, in these priorities and to invest in the lives of others. And it is through that community that we become who and what God desires us to be. You look at the thermostat and it's too hot or too cold and you adjust it. And then you see the environment change because of the adjustment. That's what community can do. So as we decide, you know, we can think, well, I just, I don't have a lot of friends, or I don't really enjoy the community I'm a part of, or there's so many other things going on in my life, and so, so community doesn't fit because of all these external things. Well, rather, those external things are a symptom of what's going on in our heart, and we should say, God, you've called me to this environment, you've called me to live life with others, and so I'm going to adjust my life to fit into what you've called me to do in hope that what you've promised will happen, that I will be shaped, that I will shape others, that, I, that fruit will be born in my life, that I'll grow and enjoy you more. It's very true that we become like the people we hang out with the most. If you don't believe in that second part, just you, you, we become who we hang out with the most. Our jokes sound the same as the people we hang out with the most. We start to even look like the people we hang out with the most. We talk and act. We start to uh, adjust our lives in what, we, in what we spend money on, where we put our kids in school. I mean, we, we, we become like the people we love, the people we hang out with. Paul prays that they will grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding so that together they could walk in ways that please Jesus. That's his prayer. I'm so excited for what's going on in your life. You guys are doing great. Here's my prayer, that you will continue to become like the people you're around. That you, that you will grow in, in, in knowledge, wisdom, understanding, so that you can together with the people that God's called you to live life with, you will grow more and more to become like Jesus. 
The Christian community shapes, it molds, it transforms. It is in the context of community we confess our sins and pray for one another, correct behavior and attitudes that are inconsistent with the gospel. It's, it's within that community, the community of God's people, where we, where, where we are sharpened, where that sandpaper just starts to work on us. And it's, you know, when you're starting to shape a, a, a piece of, 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 of rough uh, limber or, or lumber or wood, you, you use the coarsest amount, maybe you use a saw at first, and then a very coarse sandpaper, and then eventually you get down to a very fine, fine grit sandpaper to polish this. That's what the Christian community can do. And it's, it's, it's hurtful at first. I know many people that have engaged in community, disengaged from community, because they went in, people figured out who they were, and they were embarrassed by that, and, they, and pain was created, pain, shame, and guilt, and then they left. Christian community is actually meant and designed to do that. Not with a motivation to shame or to guilt, but actually to sharpen, to transform, to polish. But if we expect that we go into community, everyone's going to be like us and say nice things about us, and the deepest uh, blemishes in our heart will never come out, we will never experience real community. Isn't that a big fear? If I'm in community, people are going to know who I am. What if they actually know what I, who I am, the, th- the doubts that I have? What if they know my, uh, my sins? What if they know my habits? What if things creep out? And so we find ourselves in this weird orbit where we don't fully make ourselves known, but we are obedient to community. And so we're in this weird third element where we're in community, but no one knows us really. And so we don't grow, they don't grow because of our shared life with them. God calls us into something so much more meaningful and significant. Community is not only a place where we confess our sins and pray with one another, it's where we encourage, it's where we share our burdens, it's where we sacrifice for one another, it's where we have this mutual sharing of, 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 our, of the things heavy in our life, prayer requests, uh, financial difficulties, emotional burdens. It's where we share things and, and ask people, could you help carry these things with me or for me? It's a place where we laugh and play and celebrate. It's a place where we recreate and have fun. If you were committed to learning Spanish, there would be a point in your studies of learning Spanish or any other language where you needed to leave the classroom of learning and actually go to Mexico and live there. You'd have to go to Spain for a year and immerse yourself in that culture. You'd have to go and live with a a family member that speaks that language. Because you'd come to a point where in your desire to learn this language and be fluent in this language, you had to go out the, the classroom of learning and actually live life with others who know it better than you so that you can be shaped by that. If you want to walk with Jesus in the way that he desires you to walk with him, there will be a point where you must walk with others. Maybe some of you don't want to hear that. Because maybe some of you think, no, I'm, I'm capable. I am capable of following Jesus on my own. I don't need to be with others. And frankly, they annoy me. You know, there's the introvert, extrovert, socially awkward. I got a fourth category. It's just called better. You know? <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm okay on my own. If you want to walk with Jesus, there will come a point where you have to do it with others. Life together is not merely for the extrovert or the friendless or the one who just has a lot of time in their hands. It is for the follower of Jesus who wants to grow. There is no greater or more important means of growing in Christian, growing in Christian character and behavior than deep involvement in Christian community. Do you believe that? There is simply no, no greater or more important means of growing 
in your Christian character and behavior than deep involvement in the Christian community. Now, the, the, next, the next feature takes this, takes this same thing we talked about, takes it to another level. It takes the benefit to another level, and that is community as a way of to know God better. So we learned about community as a way to sharpen our Christian behavior, our character, but now as a means of knowing God better. It's in community we not only grow in what God desires for us in wisdom and understanding and, and truth, as Paul lists here, but we grow in knowing God, knowing God himself. You can't fully know Jesus by yourself. That's, that's, that's a bold claim. Let me explain. Uh, people are so multifaceted. There's so much about you. There's so much about me. You think about, you think you know somebody and then you see them in a group. You're like, whoa, you're like a totally different person. One of my main concerns and encouragements to people if I do, you know, counseling or premarital counseling, for many young adults I do premarital counseling, premarital counseling and I ask them, tell me about your friends. Tell me about your community with others. And if often, if I see that they, they just spend time with one another, they're just so much in love, they don't have a lot of friends outside of that, they just, you know, they go to work, they come home from work, they spend time together, and then they go back, and they don't have a lot of community. It's one of the biggest red flags for me. You can't fully know somebody just in knowing that person one-on-one. -on -one. Because it's actually through the community that you actually get to know that person, a whole other facet, a whole other realm of what they value and who they are, you, you can't experience somebody in, their, in the depth of who they are unless you see them interact with others in community. There are things that may come, up, uh, come out in you when you are in groups that don't come out with you when you are alone. Would that be true? Like maybe your awkwardness in groups. Maybe that comes out. <laughs> didn't know. I, I didn't like people so much until I got in a group. <laughs> our, our, the question is, are, are introverts awkward when they're alone? Uh, who, who do extroverts high-five when no one's around? <laughs> the, ourselves, yeah. Uh, does a falling tree make sense in the woods when no one's there to hear it? I mean, these are, these are important questions, right? Um, if you don't tell people you're a vegan, are you really a vegan? You know, so there's things like... <laughs> <laughs> so these are questions that we need to wrestle with in life. Yeah, we, we are multifaceted. Are we really the true self just by ourselves, or are we complicated, multifaceted beings made in the image of God? There's so much mystery to us, and there's so many things that people bring out of us. So we're not simple. We're not as simple as we think we are. Wow, these are things that I like. These are the things I don't like. What, what is, else is there to know? There's a lot. There's a lot, a lot of hidden things in our heart. There's a lot of wants, desires, fears, hopes. There's a lot of dreams. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt that we carry with us. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things we wish we were better at. There's a lot of things we wish no one knew about us. So many things. And the most awkward thing to do in the midst of knowing all that thing is actually spend life with other people. And that's exactly what God has called us into. Why do we need community? Because there are things that we miss about Jesus without it. There are things that you will never know about Jesus if you're not in community. I learn a great deal about the wonderful things about who my wife is by seeing her interact with her friends seeing her mother, our children, things I would never see apart from those contexts. Our identity, is, uh, we, have, we have different hats and different identities, and we, we would never know those things about someone without seeing them in that way. I'm not saying we learn about Jesus apart from Scripture. I'm not saying that, but I learn about Jesus as I wrestle with God's Word, and I see you wrestling with God's Word, and as we share about those things together, we are sharpened by one another. 
We are transformed in our understanding about who God is as God's word roots deep in our heart and is expressed as, as we talk about it and as we see it lived out in our everyday lives. As I observe you loving Jesus, applying the gospel to your life, as I see you struggling to be faithful, I learn about Jesus. I learn about God's faithfulness that he answers your prayers that we pray about together. I learn about his love for his people as I see it expressed in you. So to neglect Christian community is to neglect your own growth in knowing Jesus. That's why Paul also prays for patience and endurance. No secret there. That's why he goes directly to saying, okay, I'm going to pray for one more thing. Patience and endurance, because you're going to need it. He's basically saying, don't give up. This is going to be tough. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be messy, but it's going to be good. It's actually what God's called you to. There's great joy and great blessing in it. Have you ever been in a relationship that never required patience or endurance? I know the answer to that. You ever found your soulmate where you never fought? Okay. Have you ever been in a relationship you never wanted to give up, to not give it time? Uh, you just wanted to give up. And that never leads to spiritual growth. It never leads to depth and growth in that relationship. You got out too soon. You didn't give it endurance. You weren't patient. And then you went on to the new relationship hoping that it would be different. You found you, you went up, you hit against the same walls, the same barriers, the same insecurities, the same fears, the same, the same mess. And so we are in community because it is, it is a way of actually knowing God more through the lives of other people. Verse 12 and 13 shows us our final feature of Christian community, and that is a way of expressing our gratitude for God's grace. Uh, let's, let's read that again in, in verse 12 to 13, if you have that open. Uh, verse 12 through 13, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why does Paul remind the church who experienced such wonderful community to endure with gratitude? Why does he remind them to do that? Because building community is not natural or easy. Under present cultural circumstances or any circumstance, it's not easy or natural. Under the temptation of our sinful hearts and desires to be left alone, it's not natural to build community or to be a part of it. It requires an intentionality that it goes much greater beyond our own ability to create it or to enjoy it. And so experiencing community actually requires the gospel itself. It requires many things, patience and uh, endurance, but it requires the gospel itself. And what is the gospel itself? What, what is the gospel? How are we directed to this? That the gospel is an act of God's grace. Uh, we have been trans, transferred from a spiritual condition that is described as living in darkness. Living in darkness where God does not dwell. We, we have been described as people that, that live in a place that are cut off from the love of God with no hope of actually getting out of that place. And, and Paul is saying, as he's talking about, I, I love that you guys get so together and that you're loving one another, and this is an expression of your faith, and I'm going to pray that you grow in this. And then he ends with such an odd description of who we are as Christians, transferred from the domain of darkness into the spiritual condition that is described as life together with Jesus forever. Why talk about that? Without, without a deep understanding, a deep understanding and gratitude for the grace that we will in, 
that we have with God and in the gospel, we will engage with others for one of two reasons. And this is where I think Paul is going. Uh, He's saying, I want you to be motivated by what Jesus has done for you. That's why you're in community, as a gratitude for being transferred from darkness and into relationship with Jesus. But what does that have to do with motivation? There's a couple reasons people go into community apart from that. One is out of shame, out of sense of, of, of obligation. So they say, okay, I heard the sermon and I need to get in community. It's the, it's the Christian thing to do. Christians need to pray. They need to tithe. They need to uh, evangelize. They need to worship. Uh, they need to be in community. And so you feel a sense of shame. So you, you, you're in a small group. You're in community with others. You experience life together with other Christians because it's the right thing to do. Maybe that's why you do it. And you don't want to sin. You don't want to be cut off from God's blessing. And so you try to do in your life uh, all that you can that God has told you to do. And so you feel like a bad person or you, or you feel like a bad Christian if you're not in community. And in a similar way that you might feel as a bad Christian if you don't go to church or if you don't tithe or if you don't pray. So in this sense of shame in your heart and you're thinking, ah, I'm not doing a good job. And so you go in community because you want to do a good job. That's one reason we do it. Another reason we do it is out of pride, right? So it's the opposite. It's not shame, but pride. How would pride motivate you to be in community? Well, pride is what leads us to, to uh, compare ourselves with others. Pride is what leads us to evaluate people, what they have, what they've accomplished, and decide who we want to spend life with based on what they have done, what we have done, uh, what they look like, their lifestyle, their life stage. Uh, it, it leads to a sense that we need to earn our worth through appro- approval from people. And so we want to be around those people that we like. And so we're in community because we think, well, if I'm with those people living life with them, maybe they'll be my friend. And if they're my friend, what does that mean about me? If someone's so good in my eyes, if I look at that person and say, well, they're really awesome, and they want to be a friend of mine, well, that means I'm really awesome. I love Christian community. And so, so no one willingly goes into community with people that, that often are, have less than them or have accomplished less or are weak or, or are poor or alienated or marginalized because of pride. And so we like to associate with people that look good. Well, what life group are you in? Oh, I'm in this one because, that, because I'm a good person. Because naturally, that's, I'd be in this awesome life group. So you see, those are two motivations. I hope that that reaches someplace in your heart as you look at your own life. Maybe things that motivate you. The gospel gives us a whole different motivation. And frankly, a much better one. No longer are we motivated to be in community out of shame because it's the right thing to do, or pride, because it makes us look good to be friends with people that are awesome. But it's gratitude. The gospel gives us a new motivation to be in community. It's gratitude. Grateful. Grateful that we are not dependent on the approval of others. And therefore, we don't need to be afraid of commitment. The gospel frees us from the approval of others. We don't need to prove ourselves. We don't need to look good because we are approved and adopted by God based on his grace. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid of commitment. We can give ourselves to others knowing even if you are unfaithful to me, I'm still okay because I'm loved and accepted by God. And so now I don't have to be afraid of how people might view me. Grateful that we ourselves have ourselves experienced God's radical grace through repentance and faith. We are motivated by this gratitude that we ourselves have been given a new life. We have been forgiven, and we've expressed this in repentance and faith, and uh, we're a new creation. We have, we have left an old life of sin, and now we're following and trusting in God. We are grateful that our sins have been forgiven, and the fact that, that, 
that we have a new foundation for our lives. And so we don't engage in Christian community to bolster our image. We don't engage in Christian community because we feel guilty. We engage in Christian community because Jesus has called each and every one of us out of a life of sin and darkness, and he has brought together a people for himself that is, that is founded on his love and grace. Once strangers, now brothers and sisters. Once enemies be, because of sin, now friends. And so we recognize this theological truth that we are called out of darkness and into a, love, a loving relationship with Jesus, and we say, this is great. Reasons that have never existed before to have a relationship with you now exist because Jesus has gathered people for himself because of his love. Your love for community with others can be tied directly to your enjoyment of God's grace. Think about that. If you hate community, how well have you grasped the community-creating grace of God? John even tells us in the scriptures, how can you say that you hate your brother and love Jesus? How can you say that you love God and hate the gathering of his people? Because he himself has brought together people for your enjoyment and your transformation. Think Christian community is not for you? What does that say about your love and enjoyment of the gospel of grace? Hate being with others who are different than you? What does that say about your understanding of God's mercy for people that are his enemies? The gospel is yet to reach a place in your heart that, that it desires to reach. It desires to transform you at a level that maybe you have never been transformed. It desires to transform a life of, of self-dependency into a life of, that's knit together with others out of love and on mission. Our, our position with God, Paul says, is due to an alien righteousness a righteousness, a, a gift that, that comes from the outside. So God is saying to us, Paul is telling us, he says, what you have, the blessing you have in Christ is given from the outside and it's given to you. It's deposited into you by God's grace. It doesn't originate with you. It's a righteous identity that has been passively received, given to us by grace through faith. It comes from the outside. And then God permits Christians, as it's brought together people, to, to meet together in community that would otherwise have no reason to meet together. I mean, think about it. I mean, just look around the room. I mean, you don't have to literally, but you can if you want. And look at these people. Would you have any other reason to be with one another, gathering and, and, and with one voice praising God? Is it, what is your identity that knits you together here today? Is it, is it just you're, you're, you, you lived close? Is it that uh, maybe you, you were Presbyterian denomination and, and that's what knits us? Is it, that, is it that there's a common age or a life stage and maybe there's other kids your age? Those are all nice things, but that is not the primary thing that knits you together. God gives us a new reason to be together. It's because we are brought together, knit together in love by his grace, to be called to sharpen one another, to be on mission together, to celebrate what we have. All we can say then is, is what uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, Life Together. He writes this, Christian communities spring solely from the gospel message of salvation by grace alone. This alone is the basis of the longing for Christians to have community with one another. Without Christ, we would not know one another. The way would be blocked by our own ego. And it's true that our own ego often continues to block that way of real Christian community with others. We live out this calling and identity through, through life groups at our church. Our primary way of, of living out this community 
where we grow in our faith, sharpen one another, confess our sins, work through those messy parts, applying God's word to all of life in love, in community, and on mission is through our life groups. It's not a magic thing we do. It's not the best thing that can be done. It's the way that we do it. It's a way for us to be faithful as God's people to be in Christian community that sharpens us, motivated by his grace, gratitude in that. There are they're more than social clubs. They're more than support groups. They're more than just a transfer of theological data. They are a very imperfect impression, a very flawed and imperfect impression of the future people of God that he calls to himself. Does that excite you to join one? <laughs> That's a good pitch, isn't it? They're messy. They're imperfect. They're never going to be perfect. You're involved in it. You know, it's, so you should join one. You should join one. And this is not just a pitch. This is actually a, a practice that is an overflow of, of who we are and our calling as God's people. Two services, sorry, two services, is a way of expressing our love for God who has brought us together, knit us together in love, bringing others into community. Two services is a, a desire to, to grow the community that God has brought together, to gather more people into it, to create pathways and on-ramps and avenues and highways to God's community, welcoming strangers in to be friends, Welcome, welcoming God's enemies in sin to know the gospel, to trust in the gospel, and to be adopted into his family. A community that thinks uh, only of their own fellowship has lost their way and forgotten the great story of redemption of which they are a part. Two things to bring your attention to. If you want to be a part of our imperfect, messy, unpredictable, yet faithful, growing community of Christ at Holy Cross Church, you should get in a life group. You, you, should, be in, you, should, you should prioritize your schedule, your nights, your, your life around Christian community. It is one of the core callings that you have as a Christian. It is not just a, a ball to juggle. It is an expression of what you truly believe. You cannot love Jesus without loving his family and living among them. Two, like I mentioned last week, our ministry teams are praying for people to use their gifts to share their burdens for all that is happening on Sunday morning, teaching the gospel to kids, treating strangers like friends in our hospitality team, working with tech and worship, and we would love your help. This is, this is just sharing about with, with this vision of two services, here are the opportunities before us. There's a, there's a green card on the welcome table that invites you to connect on a team. All of the things that we do as a church on Sundays and throughout the week flow through ministry teams that have team leaders that help to live out these callings and live out these visions. If you're not in a life group, we hope you'll plug in, com in community. If you're not using your gifts to, to be a blessing and to be blessed by others in the church and to help create broader avenues for community, we hope that you will consider and, and feel kind of spurred on at this time to say, yeah, I, I can be useful. I can be a blessing. How can I, what am I good at and how can I help? And we want to know those things as well. And we want you to help. So here's our desire with two services. Because everything we've been doing is in these three weeks, these three parts, is talking about uh, what's God called us to. Connect people to God, connect people to one another. We desire to be a church who has an increasing number of Christians who are shaped by the gospel through a deep experience of Christian community. That's a great symptom of faithfulness as a faithful church. And so when people wonder, how do you know if a church is healthy? How do you know if a church is growing? We don't look just at numbers, nickels and noses, you know, something pastors say, nickels and noses. Um, I'm showing you, I'm showing you the, the belly of the beast. 
we look at, we look at the, how the gospel is growing in the life of people. Are we being shaped? Are we loving Jesus more? Are we expressing our love for Jesus as we live life with others? Are we being a faithful witness? And that's the next part next week. We'll talk about being a faithful witness to our communities, connecting God's people to his communities. Our self-image is no longer based on comparison. It's no longer based on approval of others or a sense of joyless obligation. You just got to do it because it's the Christian thing. But out of gratitude to God and enjoyment of the privilege of being one's faraway people who are brought near and called his family. That's the community to which he's called us. Let's pray.